Welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast, the show by fans or fans of your Milwaukee Brewers. All right, Brewer fans, welcome to the Brewer Crew Review Podcast. Um, we're coming at you here on November 30th. Um, joining me today, Vincent Scott. How are you guys doing? Hey, Craig. Hey, Scotty. I'm doing really well. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but um, today is my half birthday. Hey, happy half birthday, Scott. Yeah, kind of a big deal. Um, I actually found out from Geico. Um, they emailed me. I had no idea when my half birthday was, but it's today. So yeah, it's just thank you. It's just six months for, away from your yeah. It's just six months away from your real birthday, Scott. One yeah, closer but, to uh, having to repay your Geico bill, I think. They didn't want you to forget that. Yeah, yeah, it cost me five hundred dollars worth of carbon burns. <laughs> Cy Young money. So yeah, that was pretty rough. So hey, speaking this... of gambling and speaking of gambling and baseball, are you celebrating your half birthday with our co-host Chad? Is he with you? Is he on the set tonight? Um, he is not on the set. Okay. But I was gonna say maybe this episode is sponsored by Geico. I mean, I don't know if they'll be able to afford us. <laughs> they usually don't allot much money for advertising, but your rates will probably go up. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Hopefully, Chad will join us next. I assume our next podcast will be our annual Christmas podcast. So um, that'll be interesting. Hopefully, Chad can join us for that one. But in the meantime, yeah, let's a lot of lot going on in baseball. Even though it's the off season, it's somewhat of a hot stove season, if you want to call it that. Uh, lots of craziness going on. But uh, before we get into all that, I guess we want to congratulate uh, Corbin Burns was uh, awarded with the. 2021 NL Cy Young Award, the first brewer to win the Cy Young Award in 39 years. Bukovic uh, won in 82. Volley Fingers, of course, were awarded the, the uh, AL Cy Young also in 81. So those are the only three Cy Young Award, Cy Young Award winning seasons in Brewer history. They're less than 50 plus years. So it's a huge accomplishment for Corbin Burns. And uh, Scott and I have a little bit more money in our pockets because of it. Um, so, but, uh, in, anyway, yeah, the, uh, congratulations, Carbon. What, what a season. And he beat out some great other candidates, um, on the, um, in the NL. So congratulations to him. Yeah, definitely well-deserving. And, um, let's see, what was the last, uh, Brewer to win the Cy Young? I can't Yeah, remember. we just went over this. Yeah, no, we, just, we don't we just, have but... pre-production meetings, so I have no idea. We just, yeah, we just talked about it on the on the air, but um, Steve oh. Vukovic in '82. So, and and the first so, time it should be pointed out, the first time in the National League as well, um, since the Brewers switched leagues, of course, in 1998. So, first first time a Brewers won the National League Cy Young Award, and first time we won it, and it was pretty well deserved. So that's good. <laughs> and I know um, our our former private detective Mark Antoniak was really. I think he was banking on sheets winning a couple of sign winnings back in the early, early two thousands. He did predict that Ben Sheets would throw four no headers with the, with relative ease. Uh, that didn't necessarily happen, um, but uh, he was a great pitcher for us. But he he was never a Cy Young Award winner. So uh, Carm Burns, congratulations and what a season he did put together. And 
more exciting for Brewer fans is uh, we are, we, you know, Corn Burns is not, is under our arbitration control, the Brewers control for at least three more seasons. So it's through the 2024 season. And then fortunately I'll probably get a pretty big payday. But anyway, uh, in the meantime, <laughs> Um, I think the Brewers have a great window of opportunity to take advantage of having an ace, like a true elite ace at the top of the rotation going into some hopefully playoff uh, series. Well, that's the thing too, Craig, you know, it was pretty exciting because uh, Corbin won the Cy Young award, but it was also exciting because we had other strong candidates, you know, in, in the top tier of voting in the national league with uh, Freddie Peralta and Brandon Woodruff. So, I mean, just, Exciting up and down, but of course, really happy to see Corbin win one. And um, I'll go on record and say I don't think it's the last time that this core Brewers group wins a Cy Young Award in the next, say, five seasons. Nice. Also, I, I do want to point out that uh, Brewers should already book their tickets for opening day. I'm pretty sure you can pencil in Corbin Burns as our opening day starter in 2022. Um, Man, don't drink, don't jinx the spring training injuries, please don't. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not trying to do that, but uh, I mean, council didn't use him in Game Four of the NLDS, so he will be well rested. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, <laughs> so other news. Let's say the the Brewers have been. Uh, if you haven't paid attention, and as a baseball fan, we hope that you have been. There's been a flurry of signings in the in baseball because obviously the. Uh, the looming potential owners lockout is coming up here in a couple of days and a lot of free agents want to get signed before that. And of course, some of the big chips to fall uh, outside the brewers, uh, just throwing it out there that Max Scherzer just signed a ridiculous three-year deal for $140 million with the New York Mets. Unfortunately, it's still in the NL, but to be quite honest, a little bit happy that he wasn't returning to the Los Angeles Dodgers. I do think they're a more formidable, um, organization than the Mets, uh, sorry, Mets fans, but, um, yeah, so I guess it was somewhat good, but shocking news. And a lot of other, a lot of other, uh, guys have been signed huge contracts, uh, here in the last couple of days, unfortunately none with the Milwaukee Brewers, or maybe it's fortunate, but, um, we have a, a couple of under the table move or not, I should say under the table, under the radar, <laughs> under the radar moves, um, recently. So I guess we'll discuss a couple of those. Um, I, don't know, I guess we'll start with uh, the Brewers uh, a couple of weeks ago, actually acquired uh, from the Tampa Bay Rays, um, uh, third base slash first base, right-handed hitting uh, Mike Brassau. Uh, what do you got? What are your guys uh, thoughts on that deal and where he'll fit in the 2022 Milwaukee Brewers plans? I mean, this seems to be like a very typical David Stearns, Matt Arnold pickup uh, guy who can play multiple positions, nothing too flashy. Uh, somebody that, you know, came from the Tampa organization. Uh, he, he certainly checks a lot of those boxes that you see these guys uh, very consistently go to. It seems like every off season. Yep. Pretty much role player does his job. Versatile. Yeah. Why not? Well, I, I hate to say it, but I actually think he's, um, I don't know if going into last year, we would have called like Dan Vogelback a role player or something, but um, I think the the plan for, well, here's the thing about Brasseau. He murders left-handed pitching, um, really hits them well. Um, and so he really seems like a classic platoon partner. So 
you know, since there's more right-handers and left-handers in the league, you kind of call him maybe a short side of a platoon. But I really think that he won't just be a bench player, that he really will be in the lineup against all left-handing starting pitchers and obviously facing left lefties out of the bullpen, even off the bench. But I really think he's going to have a starting role in some way, most likely at third base and possibly some at first base as well. Um, and uh, so we'll see. Um, it's an interesting acquisition, but again, on you know, he's going to be very cheap. And since he hits so well against left-handers, I think it's going to be one of those underrated moves um, that really pays off here for the for the Brewers organization. And smart, savvy moves for, for a small market team. So, yeah, absolutely. And he's only 27 years old, so I mean, he's really just hitting his baseball prime. Um, but um, obviously, he's not going to be a superstar of any means. But I think he'll have quality at bats when if he's in there only against left-handers, he's going to be quite the weapon. So. I, that that move to me gets a gets a positive mark for uh, for Stearns to kick off the offseason, so to speak. Um, and, and again, I guess before I talk about some other guys we've added via free agency, I guess we'll point out: Do you guys want to kind of rattle off some of the guys that won't be coming back that have signed deals with other teams? Yeah, I mean, we should definitely talk about uh, Manny Pena leaving. He was, um, I think, the longest tenured Brewer. Uh, through you know uh, last season so he signed a free agent deal with the Atlanta Braves um so who else am I missing Pina Escobar uh signed with the Mets and I've saw Garcia uh, to sign with the Marlins oh yeah I've got Avi Garcia with the Marlins yeah yeah we've lost a lot of power from our lineup it seems like in the last couple of days between Escobar and and Garcia well and we non-tenured Vogelbach so there's a little bit more pop yeah, that's true, Scott. Yeah, and that's breaking news as we're doing this taping. So, uh, yeah, Dan, Dan Vogelbach has officially been non-tendered, and um, I saw that we did tender a contract to Rowdy Telez, um, whose who's home run ball you almost – or triple ball you almost caught, Scotty. Oh, yeah. So close. Um, yeah. I was surprised that Curtis got non-tendered because um, he had a lot of control left, but, you know, he's hurt, so I don't know. Well, yeah, I don't think he's going to pitch in 2022 because of Tommy John's surgery. So, I, yeah, I mean, I don't think they want to give him a contract for, for next season because of that, unfortunately, but for him at least. Um, but uh, – and then I think that was another um, – we actually – because he was going to be non-term, we actually traded for J.C. Mejia from uh, the Cleveland Indians as a right-handed relief pitcher that I think could be inserted in our bullpen as well. So he's got some minor league options, uh, I believe, available. So, uh, but yeah, the so that's an acquisition we made, and also to rebound from the Manny Pena signing, who kind of surprisingly signed a two-year deal with the Atlanta Braves for I believe it was, was it eight million for two years, um, which is I was a little surprised about the the amount of that contract, but. The Brewers then swooped in and signed a, a former Orioles catcher, Pedro Severino, to a one-year, $1.9 million contract. So, again, he's, they're getting him in a shorter contract than less than half the price of what Pena was just offered. And I really think that he's a comparable player um, as far as quality. I think he's better with the bats, but not maybe as good with the glove. Um, and so, I don't know. I think, unfortunately, Pena will be missed because obviously seeing how our entire pitching staff has done so well over the last few seasons, especially last year, 
I mean, Manny Pena has had to be somewhat of a contributor to that, you would think. Uh, obviously, Omar Narvaez made some awesome strides defensively as well, especially last year, uh, including pitch framing and whatnot have you. But really, Pena was kind of, you know, like Vince mentioned, that glue that's really been on the team for a really long time. But, you know, he wasn't in there, you know, he wasn't our backup slash plume player, and he, he was hurt quite a bit. So, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that Pedro Severino is a nice addition, personally. Yeah, I guess he's okay with what was left. Um, I mean, there's if you're looking for a backup catcher and you're looking for somebody that's going to be able to hit righty and hopefully play a little defense. And honestly, there, there just wasn't a lot out there as far as, like, great options, I guess, especially if you're not willing to pay more than $4 million a year for him. So it is what it is. It's sad. We'll miss the pineapple. That's true, Scott. But again, and again, I love how Stearns and Arnold kind of acquired these guys that are, you know, even if they're not the greatest player, they're probably in the prime of what will be, you know, they're the best of their baseball career because Pedro Severino is only 28 years old coming in this season. So again, that's really kind of in the meat of his prime. So I expect there to be a pretty good season from him with the bats and hopefully some strides can be made defensively on his part too, kind of like Narvaez. And like you mentioned, He's a perfect backup slash platoon hitting um, tandem along with Narvaez, I believe. So pretty, pretty good pickup. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I think that, you know, Omar is going to get the, the, the bulk of the playing time. I think that he certainly earned that after his season last year. So um, obviously your backup catcher is important, but I, I think that this is sort of, again, the Stearns Arnold, uh, model of getting a lot of different guys kind of in, in camp or in the system that um, some of them are going to stick and some are not. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. I, I don't think that we're done necessarily a catcher either. And that um, you've seen in the last couple of days, the Brewers continue to go out and just kind of add depth at the catching position. Um, uh, we, I know made an, another acquisition just yesterday by bringing in um, Brett, oh, Sullivan. Remember his name. Brett Sullivan Brett Sullivan from Tampa. Yeah, exactly. So he doesn't have any major league experience, so it's going to be another organizational depth guy. But, um, you know, we still have Luke Maley, I believe. You know, so there's just kind of lots of names that that uh, that Stearns is just adding to the system at this point. I'm pretty sure we did cut bait on, on Luke, Luke Maley. Yeah, I think we cut bait on him. But, um, but yeah, it is, like you said, it's just an Arnold and Stearns M.O. to, like, kind of pillage through the, the depths of the Rays organization. Both those guys obviously had worked there before. So, um, but I mean, yeah, again, I think he's looking at his numbers throughout the minor leagues. Again, someone who can kind of hit his left-handed uh, hitting catcher. And, you know, he's got minor league options. So it's really nice to have that depth um, going forward. So again, pretty, pretty happy with the, the, the direction that the Brewers have gone with their catching so far this off season. But as you guys mentioned, we have lost, you know, like I said, no more Vogelback, no more um, Garcia. And Pena, of course, had more homers than Yelich or Peston Hero last year combined. So, um, and that was our backup catcher. So that's some power we did lose. And I think we really need to, obviously, Brussel brings some power, but I mean, we really need to replace a little bit of power here. And uh, I really feel like a free agent. It's got to be coming our way. I don't know if it'll be happening in the next day or two before the lockout, but if 
uh, for fans that don't understand, once the, there's going to be no transactions allowed once the, the lockout happens until there's something resolved with the, the next um, bargaining negotiations. So I don't know. What, what, are, what are your thoughts? Are there anyone out there that kind of, obviously it would be awesome if we could sign someone like Nick Cassianos, uh, but I really don't think we're, the Brewers are going to front that type of money. I mean, what are, what are your thoughts on that or, or, or the type of player that we might be able to decide? Well, I mean, I saw one report that says that Cassianos is, is looking for what, an eight year deal. Um, I just don't yeah. see that the Brewers are going to have the ability to, to do something like that. It seems like, you know, outside of a, a rare exception, like when we extended Christian Yelich, the, the MO is to give guys, um, you know, a, a shorter contract, maybe a higher average annual value, uh, annual value uh, in terms of dollars, but uh, a much shorter contract. So I, I don't think that that's necessarily going to match up with, you know, what a guy like Cassianos is, Cassialis is looking for. So I, I'm not sure if we're going to be surprised this off season by anything. It seems like, um, again, it's, it's been, the MO of the organization is just to go out and do the opposite of what all, all, all the fan base is asking or thinking that they're going to do. Well, the good news is um, we have another Sullivan. So we have another Sully and I know Sully, you know, was pretty good with the Brewers ticket office. So hopefully this new Sully is going to be able to step up and, you know, do something for this organization. And I think he might. <laughs> <laughs> um, a, a couple of bats. I mean, I, obviously, I think that Cassiano's going to be a pipe dream. But a couple. There's actually some intriguing first base, and they haven't signed with a team yet. I'm kind of. I, I don't think that we'll go that route, but it's kind of intriguing to see how the things kind of shake out. Um, I'm kind of surprised that the Braves haven't re-signed Freddie Freeman yet. I expect that to happen still. I mean, I think their fan base would be shocked if it didn't, but um, it could, you know, he could go elsewhere. Even guys like Anthony Rizzo haven't signed yet. Again, his best days are probably behind him, but he's a pretty still quality hitter, in my opinion, from the left side. Um, But the Brewers probably won't go that route. Um, Looking at, I mean, some of the other top names left with the bats, I mean, I, a couple of them just went off the board and Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon, both going to the Texas Rangers is pretty surprising. Um, outside of that, obviously Carlos Correa, the Brewers won't have interest in him. Chris Bryant is probably going to be getting a longer and more high, expe- uh, you know, higher contract than the Brewers will be offering also. So really, I mean, I'm not really sure. Are we going to go for someone versatile like Chris Taylor, but is really play some outfield, but also all the infield positions almost? I don't know if that's, you know, he's a perfect fit for us anymore. Um, so I still expect us to, you know, land on someone similar to like Jorge Soler or Eddie Rosario potentially. Um, as a couple of names I'll just throw out there, but um, I, I kind of expect to be an outfielder to replace Garcia, but. But who knows? It could come from any possession as we, we see every season. We think that the Brewers are trying to fill this hole at one at one position, and then they, they, they acquire a player in a position where we thought we already had filled, and uh, we figure it out from there, and it seems to somehow work out. Yeah, I mean, I, do you guys think that the Brewers are really looking at the free agency route as being their most as being the most likely way that we're going to be adding a bigger bat this offseason? Because, 
you know, if I had to guess today, it's going to be a, a trade of some type that, that the Brewers pull off. It just seems like the, I think this front office is, is reluctant to go the free agency route uh, sometimes, especially for, you know, a, a bigger type of deal. Yeah, that's very possible. But, yeah, I just don't know which teams will be are selling, um, you know, big-time hitters in the offseason um, that we'd maybe be looking to trade. Um, what about Oakland? You know, Matt Olson, his, his name has come up. Yeah, I think Oakland is a great possible trade partner with us. Like you said, um, he's definitely, you know, they, they definitely have to go into rebuild mode, I would think. And, and Olson would be an awesome acquisition as left-handed hitting power first baseman. Uh, I think we'd have to give up quite a bit for him. I mean, I think definitely. But, but you know, Craig, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, yeah, uh, no, but, go ahead. No, I was just. I was just going to say, but, but dealing with a team like Oakland, I think that you can really deal from the lower levels of your minor leagues. So if the Brewers are trying to make, you know, a, a, a run within this quote unquote window, you know, this 2022, 2023 seasons, uh, I, I think that Oakland is one of those trading partners where you're not going to have to deal, you know, even, even triple a uh, bigger triple a names. I think that they're going to be content with even lower level minor leaguers to take kind of the wild card approach that the Brewers did, you know, four or five years ago, um, which resulted in a guy like Freddy Peralta. You can give up some, some major talent, but there's also a, a bigger likelihood that you miss on some of those guys too. Um, so I could see Oakland kind of matching up where we don't have to gut any anything at the top levels of our system, even for a guy like Olsen. I, I could be way off. but It's possible that there could be some teams out there that have some bloated contracts that might want to – we might – I, I don't know. It just unless the other team is going to kick in a bunch of money, I just don't see the Brewers wanting to pick up a bad contract. I mean, right now we hardly have any contracts, but the ones we have aren't great. <laughs> the extensions that we signed. I'm not going to mention any names at all. I mean, I certainly wouldn't mention Christian Yelich, but he will be back, and you know, Jackie Bradley Jr. will be back, and Lorenzo Cain will be back. We're paying a lot of money in that outfield. I get mad every time I – all right, let's move on. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, and, and some of those guys are, you know, Bradley and getting up there in the years too. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, we've got – but the awesome thing that we – flexibility-wise, we have very little money invested in our rotation. I mean, if you really look at it, obviously the arbitration eligible guys are really going to give us a kick to the teeth this year, especially – I can't only imagine the, the, the raise in arbitration that Burns may be coming his way, but it'll still be incremental and it'll probably still only fall in the range of like between five and seven million, I'm guessing. So uh, still a relative bargain when you look at a similar quality pitcher, Max Scherzer, who he just beat out for the NL signing award, just got like 43 million plus a year. And we're getting, you know, uh, Carbon Burns for, I don't know, close to 40 million less than that. So I mean, you're saving a lot of money that way if you when you're trying to build a championship team. So I mean, and same thing with Woodruff and Peralta on the on the cheap. And 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 when you go beyond that, we we have the rest of our rotation for even cheaper than that. I mean, Lauer is is even pre RB, and so same with Hauser and uh, you know um, and yeah. So I mean, we really we really have a nice cheap young good rotation, which is something I didn't think I'd ever get to say as a Milwaukee Brewer fan, but it's pretty exciting. That's true, but remember that 
Fred Anderson is a free agent, and there's no guarantee that he's going to come back. Yeah, that's and a I good know point. That a lot of people. That's a good point, and we won't be able to get Wade Miley from the Cubs until the deadline, probably either. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, they'll make us pay. We do have know. Aaron Ashby, so um, he is one of the players I hope the Brewers find a way to keep a hold of because I think he's really on the cusp of really helping at the major league level starting in 2022 for sure. Obviously, we saw quite a bit of them in 2021 already. Um, but, yeah, it's exciting. And it wouldn't even be surprised if the Brewers might be open to including either Adrian Hauser or – Eric Lauer in a deal for a bat, maybe from someone like Oakland. It wouldn't, be, wouldn't surprise me as if they want, if that's what they were looking for in return. Um, and then throw in, like Vince said, a couple of the really lower level minor league players with maybe some higher ceiling rather than like from the AAA or, you know, guys that are about ready to help us contribute. So um, it's exciting. But, I, like, but yeah, I, but I can also see Oakland trying to target a guy like Ashby, you know, a, a guy that, you know, is likely to still be there under team control cost controlled for a number of seasons yet when you know Oakland kind of resurges again so I, I would I would think that they target somebody like that um, unless they think that they can you know flip Hauser or Lauer or somebody of that caliber a little bit better than we can so I I think that a guy like Ashby is likely to headline any trade for for someone like Olsen um, either that or it's going to be quantity at the lower level of the minors I guess those are the you know kind of the two options yeah no Ashby would definitely definitely be a nice trade chip um, for the Brewers, but I really would like us for us to keep them at all possible, but it, unless it's saying oh, yeah. to, to land someone like you're saying, like that, the, an all-star caliber player, uh, even on a shorter term, um, like Matt, like Matt Olson. So, yeah. And again, I think a team like Oakland is, is more likely than many other teams to go for that lower level, you know, type of package. So that's, that's why I, I kind of remain a little optimistic. I just think if you're going to start talking about guys like, you know, Hauser, Lowry, they're, they're probably just going to ask for Ashby at that point. Yeah. So what do you guys predict the Brewers will make any quote unquote more free agent signings of, of note here before in the next 48 hours, I guess, before this lockout's most likely going to happen. Nope. Scott. No, because, um, because, because physicals had to be done today. I mean, you'd have to have, a deal in hand, unless the Brewers are just being so quiet about things that um, it's completely escaped everyone's notice that um, is, is, you know, are, that are looking at these things with every other team. I just, I think that just timing wise, you'd have to have uh, these deals to be official, have to have, you know, a completed physical as part of that. And I, I think that would have had to happen today. Yeah. I guess I don't really know um, much of the ins and outs of that, but the only thing I was thinking is that the only way we might, make some kind of a move as if, because obviously everybody, well, there's a ton of people obviously getting non-tendered today. So I guess there's a chance that if someone got non-tendered, we could swoop in and grab them really quick, but it seems unlikely. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we're going to enter this with, with still some questions on, and uh, who knows who will sign eventually, but I still think there'll be at least one, good mid-range signing someone with power i think on the offensive side unless a trade does happen um that way but yeah obviously the 2022 brewers are not fully put together yet but i I do think we come we did not really have a ton of holes so to speak and 
uh, coming into this offseason, like some offseasons. Um, obviously, Garcia and, and Pena leave, but beyond those, those holes kind of opening up, I think the Brewers are in a pretty good position going forward. If you look at who some of the their, you know, the rivals, like look at who the Dodgers have already lost and Scherzer and Seeger. And then look at the Giants. They've got uh, Buster Posey retiring and they've got Kevin Gausman signing with the Blue Jays for five years. That's their basically best hitter and best pitcher. And so they're gone. So I know those teams both won like 106 plus games last year, but in the NL, but I think that they've been significantly weakened so far in the offseason. The Brewers, I feel, really haven't been. So there's some positivity with that. And Scott, I know that you, if you look at the NL Central, the Cubs major rebuilding mode, they'll probably still sell off guys like Wilson Contreras and stuff like that coming forward this offseason or, or, or going forward. And then the Pirates are the Pirates. The Reds are look like they're trying to sell off some of their starters like like Gray and Castillo and stuff like that. So I think they're going in a, a soft rebuild. So it really leaves a two-team race for the NL Central, in my opinion, next year. And then the Brewers and the Cardinals. And the Cardinals, you know, you'd think that they could maybe land someone like Matt Scherzer, you know, who's a Missouri native. But instead, uh, they're signing a guy like Matt, what, like Stephen Matz uh, from the Mets. It's kind of an underrated signing, but again, not necessarily a world beater. But Scott, you had some thoughts on that that signing. Um, Steven Matz is probably better than I give him credit for, but I just remember when I had him on fantasy, he was horrible. So, um, but no, it's it's a good move by the Cardinals. Like it's they didn't really pay a lot for him. Oh yeah, I think when he signed him, I said he was getting coupon money because it was basically almost the same <laughs> money wise so mm. yeah no and you know they're getting a better pitcher and it's you know obviously money isn't is, you can't even really compare the contracts because how long ago was supon now i have no concept of that was time. 2000 uh, 2007 i believe after he won a world series with st louis no six so like 40 years ago <laughs> that's I mean, only like 14 yeah, years ago scott but yeah yeah okay. well time flies but uh no i mean just as an example so mlb trade rumors predicted that the mats would get a three-year deal for 27 million the cardinals got him four years at 44 million dollars so i wouldn't say it's an overpay per se but they definitely had to pay full price for the guy um, who just came off of a career season kind of after really struggling with the Mets. He went over the Blue Jays and had a pretty solid season. But again, he's not someone that's, you know, I don't think he's too much better than, let's say, Eric Lauer or something that he's like our fifth starter. So, I mean, I really just think the Brewers, the NL Central is the Brewers to lose, so to speak, going into the offseason, even and going into next season, even without us making any kind of major move yet. Um, so, I mean, I think the, I am a little bit concerned about this being a potentially extended lockout. Um, what, what are you guys' thoughts on, on that? I mean, I think that it's, it's a pretty sure bet at this point that there is going to be a lockout, that it's, it's you know, kind of a foregone conclusion at this point. Unfortunately, it just seems like, you know, there were some reports I know that we – we didn't use our press passes we had for the meetings today, but um, some reports that, you know, the meeting between the players and the owners lasted a grand total of 27 minutes or something like that today. Um, 
you know, so the idea that there's some momentum, I don't think is, is really there. Um, I think both sides are going to dig in their heels and it really does screw up plans for a lot of teams and specifically teams like the Brewers. Um, I think, you know, for the rest of the off season, it's going to be really hard to make any plans or calculations when you don't even know what, what kind of CBA you're going to be working under. Um, I don't, I, I, I hope to God that both sides are smart enough to avoid actually missing any games. Um, but without trying to be too pessimistic, I, I think that this is going to be one of those, you know, unfortunate examples in, in baseball's labor history where you've got spring training certainly affected. And I think that we're, we're likely to see this resolved with maybe a couple of weeks into a typical spring training, if I had to guess. Um, so there's going to be a lot of teams that are scrambling big time um, uh, at that point, and it's going to be really hard to to kind of get guys on pace for a regular season. So hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully this is just, you know, a lot of people, you know, being overly dramatic right now and, and that this thing gets resolved sooner rather than later. But um, my guess is this one drags out a little bit longer than, you know, anything we've seen in the last, you know, since 94 probably. Well, especially in a year when it, it certainly seemed that um, a lot of players obviously were sustaining injuries and things like that. And obviously, you know, they're not used to playing under these weird circumstances we've had for the last two years now, I guess. But um, that makes it difficult. It's just, and then we're going to mess with them again, <laughs> probably by, you know, starting spring training late you know, or, or whatever we do. I mean, for all we know, I mean, worst case scenario, there's no season next year. I don't think that's going to happen. Like, I think we'll have a season, but I mean, we have to at least recognize that these are all things that could happen. Uh, And not only that, but like, if we get like the, I don't know my Greek alphabet, the Omega variant or whatever, by the time spring training comes out, we could be doing all this fun stuff again. So it's there's a lot of uncertainty and uh i i feel bad for the players and i don't really feel bad for the owners (laughs) but um you know hopefully hopefully all these millionaires can get together and make sure that uh they can keep being millionaires and you know the billionaires are going to have to start thinking like millionaires Well, Scott, you make points um, in the YouTube events, but um, obviously, my main concern, I mean, I'll just put it this way, um, to be quite frank, I don't have a ton of confidence in Rob Manford or Tony Clark's no. negotiating skills. I mean, if you just, and again, obviously, you know, I normally have very little to go on with that, but if you look back at the 2020, uh, season, which of course had to had to go through the pandemic and uh, you know come to some kind of agreements, it, to see that play out basically in kind of real time, so to speak, it was really just real ridiculous. Like that, they, like just the, the tactics that were used and the ridiculousness of, of the leverage being used on both ends, and basically, I mean from Manford's side of it, they just stalled uh, long enough so that there were there wasn't enough time to even play the amount of games that, that the players wanted to anyway. So they, so I mean, it's just, if that's, if there's going to be no give and take like there was in 2020, 
during this. Um, I'm very concerned with the 2020, I'm sorry, the 2022 season starting any yeah. time. Uh, and I, I hope I'm completely wrong on that, but based off that, I have very little faith. Yeah. I also am really just completely beyond irritated on this current MLB commissioner and the proposed changes he's making to to some of the longstanding baseball traditions. Um, obviously, I think that the DH is possible is coming and it's inevitable to both leagues. So that's one thing, but. As you get, as they are seeing what's being proposed by the owners, they want a 14 game playoff. Team, 14 teams making the playoffs, which I think is ridiculous. I mean, there's a 162 game season. I mean, that should. I know it's absolutely crazy, teams. unbelievable. I mean, I mean, if you look I, back I, at our childhood, and again, not to especially age myself, but when I was a kid, uh, you know, there was only four teams that made the, made the playoffs in baseball. And I thought that, and again, that's a little bit extreme, but to go from four teams making the playoffs and to now 14, it, it just completely waters down the product in my opinion. Well, yeah, it, it, you know, it's going to look pretty funny when every team does what the Brewers do and they put a little banner out in the outfield every, every time that they make a, a postseason experience. Uh, I, I I just think that you know there's going to be a lot of teams that uh, have losing records that can make the playoffs now. Um, we haven't seen much of that. I think that the Brewers in 2020 were the last time that that the last and I think one of two times ever in baseball history um, where that's happened. And I, you know it really does water down the product. Any team can get hot, um, you know, for a couple weeks in October. So my question is, what happens? you know, when the first team with a losing record wins the world series, how do you, how do you justify calling a team like that a world champion? I just, I just don't understand. I wish that they were shrinking the number of teams in the playoffs to be totally honest. Um, I, I, I think that there's already too many, I get that there's excitement and I, I get that it keeps more cities in it until, you know, later in the season. I understand it's good for the bottom line. Uh, I also understand that it's a, it's, it's part of a negotiation between the owners and the players because the, you know, the players are, are pushing for more playoff teams. So I get all of that, but you know, the purist in me is, is definitely not happy <laughs> about many of the things that Rob Manford has done for baseball. And uh, this, this is probably at the top of the list, um, but there's a whole long list of things, you know, the ghost runner on second base, the pitch clock <laughs> and the minors. I mean, there's all sorts of things. What about moving the all-star game from Hank Aaron's home the year he died? Yeah, well, there's that too, Scott. I mean, that's a good point. I mean, nothing like taking a political position, you know, when it was not even necessary or no one was, you know, benefiting from him doing so. It just there's all sorts of things that things that Manfred does that alienate fans, and I, I I mean that very sincerely, like true fans of baseball. And it's like the guy's never watched a baseball game before or something. Like I just don't think he gets it. Anytime that you Anytime that you hear him talk about the changes that he wants to make in the game, it's always about how to shorten the game. Like I love going to baseball games. Like I don't go to games to like not go there to watch baseball. Like I'm really excited. And I, I know that you also have the full ability to leave a baseball game early if you want to. So in my mind, I like, if I'm there, I'd like to watch a longer game. That's why I go. So um, he, he, this is a guy that consistently talks about how he wants to shorten his own product. I mean, what what does that say about his love of the game? I just I really question whether this guy's going to be able to to do anything good for the game 
uh, whatsoever during his tenure as commissioner. So I'm a little pessimistic as well. And, and you know, we, we know that our anonymous source, Tom Carter, is pretty close with them and gets a lot of inside information. It doesn't even sound like Manfred cares at all. I mean, it's like he's never even – yeah, like I said, I, I just I – just, I really wonder if he's ever even watched a baseball game in his life. Um, according to Tom Carter, anonymous <laughs> source, he's not sure either. I know plenty of people that'll watch baseball if it's on, but they don't know what's going on. And maybe he falls in that category. Oh, kind of like that. Let's give Manfred some credit. Maybe he is a baseball fan, but just doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe so kind of like a, yeah, like a Chantel or someone at the office. Um, Yeah, no, I get it. But, I, I just don't think the game. I, I mean, I think Los Angeles Dodger fans are going to agree with you, Vince. Like, what's going to happen if they shorten the game too much more than it already is? I mean, the Dodgers fans are going to get to the game and the game will be over as soon as they sit down. <laughs> yeah. What the hell happened? But no, I mean, in all, in all seriousness, I don't mean to complain about things just because they're new, but I mean, what other like business owner talks about ways to have less interaction with his customers? Like, hey, be be around my product a little less because we know that we're boring. I mean, that's basically what he's saying. It's like, hey, my store sucks, so I'm gonna, you know, tell you that you should shop here for a, you know, shorter amount of time or something. I mean, it just makes no sense at all. Like, he's not. He should be out there selling the game, talking up baseball, being passionate, and not giving into fans with short attention spans. Like, it makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever that the the commissioner of baseball should be the biggest cheerleader for the game that that ever exists i mean that that should be your biggest rah-rah guy um to gin up more enthusiasm for the sport not less and it's it's getting a little tired i I think that you know manfred's act is a little shallow and very repetitive and you know the players are there in in terms of these negotiations the players have plenty of blame uh on their side as well but um greg unfortunately i think that you're right i think that just this clark manfred dynamic it just could put everybody to sleep everybody knows that the games should be happening on schedule in both spring training and the regular season, whether or not they have any common sense. I don't know. It's beyond me. Yeah. Yeah, And there's probably a lot of people that are willing to say right now that Roger Goodell is, is just as bad, if not worse. And you know, that's, that's obviously absolutely true. It doesn't obviously make anything better. I mean, both of them are equally terrible. I think Um, I, I certainly wouldn't want, Goodell running MLB either because I don't think he really has his finger on the pulse, so to speak. But I don't know. These guys are businessmen. The the thing about the the okay, so currently um, ten teams make the playoffs, and again, I do think that 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 was a better step up from four. <laughs> Uh, like it used to be or whatever. I, I mean, obviously, I think the wild cards have been a great addition and it's made to the game. Um, but, I mean, 14 is just too much. So, basically, you're if you are have the second-best record in your league, let's say in the NL, your reward for that is you get to play a three-game series at home against, like, the worst wild card team, which is probably someone with hardly even a 500 record. So you think, okay, well, all I have to do is beat them, win that series. Well, in a three-game playoff season, I, I don't care. It happens all the time. Any team could win. I mean, last year, the Brewers were a first-place team in the NL Central. Pirates were a last-place team uh, in the NL Central. If you told me going in any series that the Pirates could win the series against the Brewers, 
I would say absolutely it could happen. It's how baseball is played. Okay, over the long haul, though, absolutely, those teams separate themselves, and that's the reason why there's a 162 game season. And I don't think that a, a team should be, um, you know, rewarded by winning the division. I mean, the incentive to win the division will hardly be anything then. And I think that it's really messing with the balance. That's really nearly perfect right now in baseball. We have uh, a really nice number of contending teams and a really nice number of um, rebuilding teams that kind of offset each other and, and, and make for a kind of exciting uh, player movement trade deadline each each season. And if, and if you water that down too much, where too many teams are making the playoffs and too many teams aren't, you know, going into, you know, trying to rebuild at all, like it's just going to ruin that whole dynamic. And I think the players will ultimately suffer from that as well. Um, so I, I don't know. It's just that's the one sticking point that the, the owners are really going to hold stick to their guns. I wind that one. I'm going to be really disappointed because I think at the very maximum, it could maybe be 12 teams, but 14 is just way, way too many. And I'll be very disappointed if that happens. No, I, I totally agree with you, Craig. Um, well, so I, I guess I didn't get a response from you guys. What what um, are your thoughts about Tom Carter's report after talking to Commissioner Manfred, whether that's going to happen or not? Well, first off, I, are we sure that we're allowed to say Tom Carter's full name now? I was still thought we were sticking with Tom C. But... I wanted I to keep him say, anonymous, but well, what if we said if we said Tom Carter, but not our anonymous source, then people don't know that he's supposed to be anonymous. So maybe it makes it a little bit like less conspicuous. So what if we just everybody said, knows who Tom Carter is, though he's an icon. He's like well, three yeah, Sully. So he can't be anonymous. That's the point. I mean, oh, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, I don't know. We'll figure out one of these years. Yeah, just say T. Carter then or Tom C. It's fine. Doesn't doesn't matter. Yeah, fine. that's fair. Yeah. One or the other, not both. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, so what are your thoughts on our anonymous source, Tom Carter's uh, report? I think he's spot on. I don't. I think that it's. I think it's the commissioner. Like, the commissioner is. Wait a second. Okay, who puts the commissioner in place? The owners. Yeah. yeah, see, and that's another that's a whole other separate issue, guys, that we should talk about at some point. Yeah. I mean, that that is another problem, right? So there is no in the quote unquote independent commissioner in baseball because his salary is paid for by the owners. I think you, you would have you avoid a lot of these uh labor problems that we've had throughout the course of baseball history if we could actually get an independent arbiter basically to serve as commissioner that could be that voice of both the players and the owners. And I understand that that sounds contradictory, but but really they're the voice of the game. And that to me is, is really important. And uh, I mean, right now, Manfred is just a, a, basically a spokesperson for the owners because they pay him. So um, he's naturally not going to see the player's position. He's not going to be sympathetic to uh, their grievances, things of that nature. So, you know, eventually it'd be nice if we could find a, a way to change the office of commissioner itself to be um, someone that was voted on by both sides, the owners and the players, and ideally the fans too. I mean, uh, fans had a had a vote. I certainly don't think that Rob Manfred would be allowed to even attend games. Not that that would be an issue because he's never watched a baseball game. But um, I think that it would be fun to get the fans involved too to pick a commissioner. But that's a whole other topic. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting off season. Uh, unfortunately, I was looking. For, I always look forward to the, the December hot stove with the winter meetings and all that. And unfortunately, we may have to miss out on some of that this year. But hopefully not. Yeah, and Craig, we look forward to you being frustrated too. And it's it's going to be frustrating for us not to see you angry <laughs> about something that we did or didn't do um, on a particular date. Oh, I'm sure I'll be angry enough about the, how the negotiations are going. <laughs> <laughs> Well, even with the lockout, um, guys, I have some bad news. Without, I hate to say it, but without, I guess we've already said it, so it's not news at this point. But unfortunately, the the Brewers have decided to press pause on uh, FanFest. So it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It makes me so angry when people say, we're going to press pause on something. No, you're canceling it you're canceling it this is what you're doing but it's just oh it sounds like oh it's just a little pause oh, we're just pausing get bent you know what you're doing i get so mad <laughs> <laughs> i you know scott i'm totally with you and um i even i think that our it was your intern or whoever manages our social media but uh posted on twitter a response to adam McCalvey who had kind of just relayed the news and um Adam was like, well, the team provides plenty of opportunities for fans to interact with players and get autographs. And um, our intern's response was when, and there was no response back. It's like, they've really taken that away that you can't, you can't have interactions before games. And I, I understand that, okay, 2020, they had to limit things because of COVID. My fear though, is that they are continually going to use that as a, as a reason to um, kind of get, they, they've been doing this for years, I guess. Um, kind of minimizing the interaction between players and fans. And baseball has always been such a beautiful game because that, of that daily interaction. It's like 162 games of the year. It goes, you're, you're right on the baselines. It's not like, it's not like football where the guys are, you know, a million miles away on the field. I think that this is uh it's, it's a special sport. And I, I'm fearful that canceling things like fan fest is part of a larger trend um, that takes fans away from um, that type of interaction, you know, with players, you, you just you see more and more of it the netting uh before games I, i'm not saying that it's a bad idea for safety reasons but it's just another barrier to, to to keep you from doing things like going to get autographs things like that it just just being around bp um i don't know it just seems to be part of a of a trend that i just don't like yeah no i have a comment well if you want an autograph now you can just uh you know obviously just um you could just buy it from MLB.com and that's you know, exactly right. Of, and go to some phantom charity. No, that's I'm sure exactly right. Charity it is. I'm sure it's phenomenal. Oh, I'm all sure. the and, money and, makes it to them. And, and, and this, you know, the, and not to just make this like a, a, a Rob Manfred show, but you know, it, it's, it's his commissionership. That's also seen things like taking away a sponsorship or a, a, a deal with tops and, changing that for the first time since 1952 uh, baseball is not going to have an agreement with tops. So tops can no longer show MLB logos after the 2027 season on baseball cards because MLB wants to have a stake in owning fanatics. Um, so they will essentially be doing it themselves. And again, I'm not saying that I'm against change. I'm for the sake of change, but I, I am against change. That's stupid, you know, and, and doesn't take into account that there are traditions that are a part of the game that are important to a lot of people. Um, and just to have these like sudden knee jerk things like, Hey, we're going to jump to 14 playoff teams. Like, Hey, we're going to have a pitch clock. Hey, we're going to put a runner on second base. Hey, we're going to take away top baseball cards. It just, 
it's like <laughs> it's like just this complete disregard for for fans and the traditions of the game. Um, it's getting a little old. Can you What's imagine if they did allow, something? They're not going to allow pepper games pretty soon. <laughs> hey, you know, and again, this is not just me being like you know, old man yells at the sky thing. I, it's not that. It's just, it's just that I think that more than any other sport, baseball has got a long tradition, and it's something that you know, it's important that you at least pay some mind to it. Not that you always have baseball is always changing. That's very true, but. Um, Again, this to me comes from a commissioner who's never, you know, watched a game or been a fan of the game. Yeah, well, all I keep thinking about is, like, could you imagine if they did something with baseball cards, like, um, like where only one company gets, like, the exclusive rights? That always works out really great for the consumer. I mean, just imagine, like, <laughs> every year with, um, well, I, like, the best example is probably, like, uh, Madden football, like the video game. So you're... Uh, it's one of those things where you know it's it's basically the only game in town, exclusive rights, all that kind of stuff. The game sucks. The game has been terrible forever because they don't have any competition because they bought out the competition. Of course, like of course, it makes did. no sense. Like it, what a horrible thing for the game. Yep, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 the problem of monopolies always. Imagine I, people building out their top baseball card sets for like the last like. 70 years or whatever. And they're like, Oh, well, I don't have to do one this year. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm one of those types of people though, Scott. That's, uh, yeah. Oh. Well, <laughs> good news, bad news. <laughs> <laughs> I got a really silly question, but like, um, I was wondering, like, assuming there's a lockout that'll last several months, potentially, um, if a lockout was going on by the owners, does that actually mean that FanFest would not have been, uh, or Brewers on Deck, I guess they call it, would not have been able to happen because of that, or would it have been able? Yeah, that would have that would have been the case, Craig. Is my understanding because the reason why the players show up isn't because they're all nice guys, although I'm sure that most of them are. It's because they're contractually obligated to. Yeah, it's um, all baked in. And it's all baked into their contracts. They have to do a certain amount of hours that um, there are like community hours. And um, additionally, they get certain tax benefits by, um, by doing something that's for brewers charity. So that, that, that is part of what they do in in terms of their contract. So, um, so, so they would have no, so so they would, so they would have no contractual relationship with the owners who are locking them out, you know, from a legal perspective. Right. So, so that's, that's, correct yeah that's what i thought and, and so i think it wasn't just the i guess uh residual pandemic i'll call it <laughs> um th- th- canceling that as it, it might have been them thinking well there's gonna be a lockout anyway why sell tickets for it when we're gonna have to cancel it anyway or something so anyway yeah but oh, I, I know why you guys about the pause type you can sell all those tickets and then just be like oh sorry guys um, in lieu of refunds, we're just going to hang on to our money. <laughs> <laughs> we'll apply that towards our postseason ticket package for 2026. <laughs> yeah, we've invested all of that money, and we're making money off of your money, but we're not going to give it back. Just cause Guys, we're not quite frankly, we still have to pay Christian Yelich a lot of money, and um, yeah, we're going to have to take that and just sort of keep it invested with him. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, well, it should be an interesting off season. I, 
I wish I wish that the interest in the offseason wasn't wasn't based on labor uh, negotiations and and in contractual disputes uh, because it'd be way more fun to, to be immersed in the hot stove and figure out which bath brewers are going to go after. But I have a feeling, unfortunately, guys, that uh, our next few shows are going to be focused on Scott saving Christmas and then Scott saving uh, the baseball season. And we won't have much wow. to talk about with the actual hot stove until, you know, probably yeah, there's, still there's going to be another to scramble like we've done the last summer. few days uh, sometime, you know, either right before or during uh, what normally would be spring training. I mean, I, I think, I hope both sides are smart enough to realize how much is at stake financially for them. It's a huge loss for both sides um, if there is no baseball. So everybody's got incentivized to, to figure this thing out. But then again, this is, you know, the baseball owners, and the baseball players union, they're not exactly um, able to show a, a long history of cooperation and, and success on that front. Scott, I think to save Christmas this year for, I guess, all baseball fans, maybe having a quick call or maybe even just a zoom call with uh, Tony Clark and Rob Manford, that would really be kind of helpful. You can kind of be that like middle person, that arbiter type person that that would really save Christmas this year. I'm pretty sure. I would say you could lock us in a room and by the end of the night, I would have taken care of it. We'd have a season. They would emerge with black eyes probably but you know sometimes I, I would probably be have you know my share of battle scars too but sometimes that's what you have to do you just have to negotiate really really hard I don't know I actually have three weird things that I wanted to point out um one is this would be a very interesting off season because you know who the winner might be um what about places like Waukesha Sports who, you know, you would think all these players, they don't have anything better to do. Like, hey, let's schedule some signings, you know? Like, that might be a little side hustle for yeah. some of the more I popular Adamus players. Is, I think Adamus is doing one. Uh, they said this offseason. Um, actually, I just got a – there's not just brewers that they bring in, but even, like, Hall of Famers kind of make the circuit now to the Waukesha Sports card. So, um, I saw Vlad Guerrero just did a signing there. Um but yeah, current, they certainly do bring in current brewers like during the season. But um, the problem is getting them to Milwaukee uh, during, during during the winter. So um, certainly would work with a few of the guys. I think like like I said, I think that they did a Dominus. Um, don't know who else they've got scheduled, but then amongst the current guys. But um, so they're they're doing another one with Yount and Trevor Hoffman and a few guys as well, former brewers. So. They're not our sponsor either. We just like you know we just like to make conversation there. I mean, it's phenomenal place yeah. though. But yeah, no, um, the other weird thing I wanted to mention is that probably, I mean, can we all honestly say now, I, I mean, this has to be true, right? For the first time, probably in my life, the Brewers are better at developing pitching than the Cardinals. I mean, thoughts? I, no, yes. That's a, very interesting thought. I had to pause and really think about that. Um, I think we need to give it another year or two uh, to make that statement. But I'm going to say as of right now, we're better. <laughs> organizationally? No, no, no. But, but I will say this. Certainly, I would rather have the Brewers rotation right now than the Cardinals rotation. No question about it. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the last weird thing I, I have to point out is that um, 
I don't know how this is possible, but like this podcast, Craig has easily been the least angry host. Yeah. How is that possible? Yeah, I've been much angrier tonight. I'm not looking forward yeah. to a labor a labor situation. You guys I apologize, guys. I've been muting myself quite a I've been muting myself quite a lot to yell at my kids. Yeah. Um, well, that's fair. I mean at least during you're yelling. the bulk of this. Craig uh, Scotty, those were all great show. points. Um all all great points. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yep, so all right. Well, guys, uh, also, classy, uh, guys. Uh, really quick before we go, we've got uh, uh, another bit of news. I figured I'd tell you guys on the podcast, but I did officially get engaged and popped the question while in France. So wanted to get your reaction on tape um, since we're recording this. Wow. Congratulations, Vince. Yeah, guys. Who's the lucky lady? <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> so my internship uh, coordinator duties are coming to an end. Scott, you're officially taking over. What? Yep. How am I going to do that? I, I, save Christmas, I save will make baseball, my... get interns. I, I probably have to like, my job probably wants me to work too. No, no, no. This is your job, Scott. Raising a puppy which anyone will tell you is the hardest thing anyone could ever do. Well, especially no one, the single dad. Say that, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that hard. No. <laughs> but, okay. Well, I'll try to do all that stuff, but congratulations, Vince. That's absolutely phenomenal. Um, Thanks guys. I'm also, I know that I made a drunken promise to you about 15 years ago that I, I, I fully regret, but I, I will stand by my, I am a, a man of my word and, I will indeed play the accordion at your wedding. <laughs> I you will have play the accordion? I will definitely hold you to that. Uh, yeah, no, that's definitely happening. I don't know Thanks how to play one, actually, but... Greg, I, I do appreciate that. Ooh. I better well, run this one back. Typically, typically, the only thing worse than There's someone myself. playing accordion is someone playing accordion that doesn't know how to play accordion. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, how bad could it be? It's not my wedding. You could DJ it, Craig. I mean, no, fun. no, no. This was a promise, uh, Scott. And now that we've talked wow. about it in front of both of you guys and all of our listeners, our many listeners, uh, this has to happen. So, damn it. Well, anyway, yeah, um, that's awesome news, Vince. And uh, yeah, we're, we're excited. So, thanks, guys. In journalism, we'd call that burying the lead. That's right. That's true. That's what they taught us in yeah. that journalism school that we went to. Oh, that well. might drop in. Yeah. I probably went to the same one as Tom Hardicourt. <laughs> Possible. Uh, on that note, uh, Brewer fans, thanks for giving this show a, a, a try here tonight. Hope you stick with us. Uh, continue to give us a follow on Twitter at BrewCurview1 and email all of your Brewers-related questions to Scott who is regularly checking our uh, email accounts. We'll get time uh, to get to your questions next time. Brew Crew Review Podcast with an S at gmail.com. Awesome. Fantastic. And tonight's episode was brought to you by Schrader's Books in West Dallas. Um, here serving everyone. Sorry about our cramped aisles. With stacks and <laughs> stacks and stacks and stacks of books and newspapers everywhere. And please, I think their motto is, please don't tell the fire department. <laughs> That's true.
Uh, also, I just wanted to, to wish that uh, now that Vince is no longer on the market, to still uh, stay classy, ladies of West Dallas. Yeah, that's true. That's, uh, no more opening day going wild for me. Ooh, all right. Go Brewers. All right, guys. Sounds good, guys. Go Brewers. Hopefully we got some good news to talk about, too. Go Brewers. Do, do, do.